Hello, and welcome to this edition of Let's Talk. My name is Wendy Liran, and I'm an education program coordinator. Today, I'm talking with Christina Haddad Gonzalez and Chantelle Vaughn on the topic of Back to School 2021. Let me introduce them to you. Chantelle Vaughn has worked in the nonprofit sector for over 15 years with experience in parenting support, resource coordination, and children's mental health. As a licensed social worker, she has focused her career on supporting the needs of families and children, specifically in the elementary school setting. She believes academic success and emotional support go hand in hand. If a scholar's social emotional needs are not met, it makes it challenging to focus on the expectations at school. Taking a stance on increasing children's emotional intelligence, Chantel often tells scholars that they are learning about something that some adults still, still struggle with, making them more prepared in managing their emotions. Christina Haddad Gonzalez is the Director of Student Support Services at Richfield Public Schools, where she's responsible for the oversight of school social workers, outreach workers, school counselors, and student engagement specialists. As a licensed independent clinical social worker, she has provided play therapy, individual, and family therapy to families. She also supervises and leads programming supporting students and families. In non-directive child-centered play therapy, the foundational belief is that children have within them the inherent capacity to heal. Christina use, utilizes this as a foundation for her work across ages, identities, and presentations. We've asked Christina and Chantel to speak about the challenges facing children and youth as they return to the classroom, some for the first time in a year and a half. Hello, Christina and Chantel, and welcome. Let's jump right in. I'm sure there is plenty to cover. Hi, Wendy. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. We're so excited about this one. Well, we're excited about all of them, but this one <laughs> is so timely. Christina, what might you say to a caregiver who's anxious about their students' return to school? Thanks, Wendy Lee. Um, you know, I'd start with you're not alone. I can't think of a caregiver or parent that isn't anxious. There's a lot to be worried and concerned about post-pandemic, amidst a racial reckoning, and even as the Delta variant increases. So first I'd wanna normalize and just say that many, many caregivers are feeling anxious. And for our remarkable scholars, um, this brings up, this return to school brings up stresses and losses. How do I navigate sitting with six other kids at a lunchroom and what are the rules in the hallway again? So as we move towards this post-pandemic place for our students, some may have been in the building, some may not have, up to 15 months is to first really just regulate. If kiddos are feeling anxious, take a deep breath with them, help them get back up into that frontal lobe and then um, relate, connect. I know it must be hard and then give them some reason, give them some skills. And I also love to point folks in any way that I can to the Unlocking Us podcast um, by Brene Brown. She talks about FFTs, the first effing time that we go through FFTs. And this is what we're in, we're in an FFT. Our babies have not been out of school for 15 months ever. 
we've never gone through such a profoundly important racial reckoning or a pandemic. And so her three suggestions are to normalize, put things into perspective, and then create realistic expectations. And I'm going to end with this because I know Chantal has a lot of wisdom to share as well. I was recently touring some ninth grade students that were here to learn about the high school. And this young man looking, you know, quite confident and competent, he walks in, he's got his backpack on and we start to walk and he said, ma'am, I'm really, really nervous. And I said, of course you are. And how brave of you to tell me that. And I think every single ninth grader coming in feels some sort of worry today. So you just keep asking for help know that that's a normal response. And my only ask is you get to that first class and your teacher's gonna help you find your way throughout the rest of the day. So normalize, put things into perspective and create real, realistic expectations. And again, that's not my work, that's Brene Brown's. Thank you so much for that, Christina. Well, that's, that's such good advice. Chantel, how can we support children with the transition back to school? especially if they never attended last year or only for a short time, if they don't want to return after a year at home. That's a big one. Yes, it is. Yes, transition is hard. Um, and I think a lot of the things Christina said will kind of be the theme of what we're discussing today as far as normalizing, putting things into perspective, and most of all, validating. So I think with our children, you know, listening to their concerns, validating their concerns, and then, you know, problem solving with them. Like, well, what are you most worried about? And if this happened, what's something that we could do to help you feel better? So also, I think it's really important to help them identify someone at school that they can talk to when they're having a hard time, having a point person. There's so many wonderful support staff within the schools that it's really helpful to utilize them and utilize them early. So as a caregiver, it may be helpful to connect with the teachers also so that they're aware your child is experiencing some anxiety about the return to school. And you know that teacher can make sure to connect with your child early on and again, probably validate as like, you know, most of the students in your class are feeling that way. Not everyone is able to verbalize that, you know, kids show it in different ways, perhaps in, you know, some avoidance behaviors or disruptive behaviors also just as a way to try to cope and figure things out. So again, listening to concerns, validating, try to prepare them as much as you can, giving them information, um, share with them what the day might look like, especially during this pandemic, even though it's getting better, there are also parts that are not getting better. So, you know, we may most likely still be wearing masks when we come back to school. So if you, if you have a child who doesn't like to do that, <clears throat> maybe there's different ways to practice it at home. Maybe there's incentives that you can start up or some kind of rewards, but overall discussing, giving them the information as to why we need to wear those masks and why it's important. The more information kids know, the better they can do with it. And you know the other things that we have to do in school also, using the sanitizer, washing hands frequently. So those are still some changes that are still incorporated in our day. So giving the kids all that information and be their advocate and champion. Keep the door open for ongoing discussion. You know, if they're worried in the beginning of the year, it doesn't just go away. It comes up and it goes back down. So just keeping that door open, checking in with your kids. You know, how are you doing? You know, are you still feeling any worries or concerns about 
and school and just making sure to keep that line of communication open. Exactly. Communication is the key to success in all of this, I would think. Christina, what are your recommendations on having good communication with school staff, especially with higher needs kids? And again, after a lost year with COVID, this could be a big chunk of your knowledge base and would be very helpful to parents. Yeah, I think my comrade uh, Chantel set us up beautifully for the importance of communicating with school staff. So um, first and foremost, every young person in the state in this country has access to free and accessible public education so i know that there are social cultural racial linguistic even economic norms around how caregivers and parents show up to school and i want to really parent empower all parents and caregivers to exercise their rights to say i'm worried this isn't working my student needs help because sometimes it's hard to do that. I mean, I was raised in a family where we respected our elders, we deferred to teachers and doctors and priests. And so first and foremost, empowering all parents and caregivers to know that if you have a concern, you have a right as a parent and caregiver to bring that concern forth. So pull in support staff early, shoot that teacher an email and say, my kid hasn't been in school in 15 months. He is excellent at this and he struggles with this and I'm really looking to you to support. Um, connect with a social worker, find out what other staff play supportive and critical roles. Teachers are remarkable folks who just wanna do what's best for students. And so there are ways in which parents can advocate check-ins, groups, breaks, reward systems. So helping and communicating uh, with staff to come up with a plan to support their scholars in being successful from go. You're the experts, you know your students, transfer that information to the school staff so that any challenges that might arise can be mitigated by really strong and frequent communication. Very good, I love that. Chantel, many children might be attending a new school or they did last year but never went in person. What that means for a new setting, new teachers, especially for kids with high anxiety and or anger issues. I know anxiety has got to be really high among the children. It certainly is for me. Yeah, absolutely. Children and adults, for sure. The anxiety is up there. So um, as I said before, again, it's about giving them as much information as possible. So if you're able, it's really great to be able to attend the open house, to be able to orient the child to the space, walk through the hallways, um, see their classroom, meet their teacher. That helps tremendously in just lowering that anxiety. Um, and if you're not able to do that, just try to schedule a time where possibly the student would be able to go in to the school and get more familiarized. You know, especially during this time, schools are trying to be um, much more flexible for families to make sure that you're able to get into the space and meet the teachers. And, you know, our traditional open house where, you know, it's just full of families and children, you know, it just hasn't been that way since last year and, and it could possibly be the same this year. So finding a time where you can get to the school and have your child walk around. Um, again, reach out to the support staff early you know, I can't stress that enough. It's so important. As Christina said, you know, you know your child. 
the best. So if you know, you're worried about certain things, the sooner you can re reach out, the sooner staff can help and make a plan for that child so that they are successful for the school year. And then also, um, you know, parents and caregivers, you know some things already that help your child calm down, right? Because self-regulation is gonna be key. So share those with the staff at school so they can get, give those same messages to the um, students while they're at school. Like what's helpful when you are feeling, you know, more upset or anxiety. Practice those things at home as well if you, you know, are not sure yet what exactly works for them and it, cause it changes too. So some different things that help students calm down is deep breathing, using fidgets. I can't tell you how many students came to my office just to get a fidget in the morning for the day, you know, and they're just, you know, we talk about how to use it, make sure you're using it appropriately so that it's not a distraction, but that it actually helps you focus on your schoolwork. Um, positive self-talk, you know, how do you give yourself those positive messages when you are having a hard time or when you're worried. Distraction techniques work really well. So I had a lot of students who would draw or color and that would help them calm down and focus. Another one that was easy was just finding a color in the room. So say it's blue and just count everything in that room that's blue, right? So helping kids learn to identify their feelings as they are beginning rather than when they're at the end, because if they learn to recognize, okay, I'm starting to get anxious or my body's feeling warm or my stomach's hurting, you know, those are all physical signs to a feeling. So the sooner you can help them identify those things, the sooner they can help themselves self-regulate and begin to de-escalate that feeling. And also, I just wanna say for teachers, connect with your peers for support. There's several teachers that taught in person last year and hear about their experiences. I, I guarantee there's plenty of positive ones and that will help you know, decrease the anxiety as well. That is great advice, Chantel. I remember when I was in third grade, I took my shoes off under my desk and to this day, I'm much happier with not shoes on. And my third grade teacher, Wendy Leron, get your shoes back on right now. So I'm happy to hear there's more kindness available in the classroom than there was in, in the dark the dark ages. Um, Christina, maybe you could speak to those children who are further behind due to a year of distance and maybe we're already behind before COVID. Many of these kids have IEPs. Thanks, Wendy Lee. Um, learning loss is real. Learning, and there's no disputing it. I want to juxtapose that with the other learning that our young people have made. I think about how um, I learned to make a traditional my Middle Eastern Middle Eastern yogurt with my daughter, and that I think our children learned to slow down. I think our children learned to move their bodies differently. I think there have been gains with lots of losses. So I lead with the gains and I'd encourage parents to note, you did this. My, um, during my son's conferences, every single teacher led with what he was doing well. So I'm gonna, I wanna start there. Parents, caregivers, teachers, find a strength. And then also acknowledge that these pandemic losses, these learning losses are real. And let's think about the gamut of losses. 
traditional learning in a classroom, connection with peers, lunch, movement, play, relationships, learning experiences, connections. We have a, have a coworker, one of our coworkers who's a social worker, was so excited to have Miss Stoneberg for kindergarten. And she didn't get to have Miss Stoneberg the whole year. Even those losses of relationships with teachers in person. And so I want to go back to validate, normalize, and create realistic expectations. The losses are there and gains can happen. The other piece I love so much of what Chantel has shared, she's such a brilliant school social worker and a brilliant mama. Um, consistency and predictability are critical. Students need to know what, cue them up for what is coming. Positively predict, I know you're gonna do the best that you can and you're gonna work really hard. Focus less on the outcome and more on the process. Show me how you got there. Tell me one thing that went well. I have a rising ninth grader in a brand new high school. She started a summer program today. I said, just meet one student. Meet the name of one student. And every single one of those ninth graders is starting ninth grade for the first time today, right along with you. So clear, age appropriate, concrete, focus on strengths and acknowledge the losses. Thank you, Christina. Well, Let me just add another thing, Wendy Leakes. I know that we have families whose students have learning differences and unique learning needs and existing IEPs or 504s. You have team members and you have a right to meet the needs of your students. So I wanna just make sure for folks whose young scholars do have additional supports through IEP or special ed or through 504 accommodations, call back your team, reconvene, speak from what you know to be true, what's going well, where you see your scholar needing support. You have a right to convene the people that are providing support to your scholars so that they can be set up for success. Excellent point, thank, thank you. Well, to close things out, I'd ask both of you to, to pop in some ideas on what all parents can do as the new year begins for themselves. Support from school, support from other parents, that kind of thing. People love tangible ideas in all areas. Yeah, I think, I always think first off, like, be kind to yourself. I think as parents and caregivers, you know, we have so many responsibilities, so many different things we're shuffling and, you know, finding time for that we can, you know, we're our worst critics. So we can really get frustrated with ourselves or I'm not doing this right, or I haven't made enough time for that. So be kind to yourself, give yourself a break and ask for help. Um, you know, we had some parent groups last school year, and I think just being able to talk with other folks that are in the same boat who, you know, maybe your kids doing distance learning, maybe your kids in hybrid, we're all experiencing this pandemic, but just overall getting support from one another who are experiencing the same things in the same time frame. So I think that's really helpful. Um, and it's okay to show vulnerability, show that with your, your children, you know, it's good modeling for them. We can be sad sometimes, we can be frustrated, we can be upset. So you show that and you show how to recover from that. And how do you do that? Again, with support, you don't always do it on your own. So you're modeling that for your children um, and validating your own and well as, as well as the feelings of your children what you're going through, it's hard. It's been really hard, it's been challenging and there's been a lot of beautiful things that have come out of it. 
I think um, teachers have been able to get so much more creative this past school year. And I think that, you know, probably felt a, a really good to a lot of teachers because sometimes you're just kind of in this, this box of how you have to do things. And we all had to get out of our boxes, right? And try something new. And so even though a lot of things were lost, there were some things that were gained. Relationships were different online, but there were still some relationships, right? And uh, Christina spoke to it as well about the creating routines. That is also key. You know, if you're gonna be doing distance learning, I'm sure a lot of teachers talked about it, but still, you know, getting up in a decent amount of time, having breakfast, getting dressed like it's a regular school day, you know, setting up a designated space in your home for learning, making sure this child has everything that they need and being predictable and consistent as much as you can. You know, there's gonna be times when things are off schedule and not consistent. So then you have to go back to being kind to yourself, right? So just try to do as best as you can. We're all doing the best we can with what we have. Exactly. Well, Christina? That was a mic drop. That was a mic drop. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> it's all been said and said so beautifully. <laughs> I do believe I just, I just, yeah, I just feel like we are just in this together and find your people. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Christina and Chantel. This was so helpful, certainly to me. I can hardly wait for my daughter to listen to this. I'm sure it will help her and her children as well. I know that many children and their families are better equipped now for the challenges ahead. Here's to a great school year. And thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Shine bright scholars and parents and caregivers. All right. Bye, everyone.